Welcome to the Tech Bytes podcast from the Packet Pushers. You may have noticed that it can be difficult to define good or bad application performance, despite the fact that there's a huge number of tools that are supposed to do just that. Measuring app performance is even harder now that lots of employees are working outside the office. So we're talking today with sponsor AppNeta about getting real-time monitoring in place so that you can define good performance, actually measure it from the end user perspective, and have a strategy and have a strategy to make sure those benchmarks are met. Our guests from AppNeta are John Tufik. He is Director of Global Alliances, and Seth Differ, Senior Manager solutions consulting. Uh, John and Seth, welcome to the podcast. So why is there such a disconnect between what IT understands about user experience and what end users are actually experiencing? We believe the disconnect is because of really shifting expectations of performance. I think that there's been a bit of a continuum of expectations uh, as people started to work from anywhere at scale. And as we were first encountering this with our customers, there was, I think, higher tolerances of applications working successfully and even people getting into rhythms of being able to perform their job duties successfully. However, now I think as we've matured in this, we've reached a point where those expectations have swung back to a higher demand on how applications are going to work and how uh, they're going to be successfully delivered. And so IT is at a bit of a this unfair sort of disadvantage of not quite having this clear picture because the goalposts are moving a little bit of what the expectations actually are. It's also confusing too, because a lot of people have consumer expectations of their technology. They use their smartphones, you know, their apps produced by these multi-billion dollar enterprises who only do one thing. And they, you mm -hmm. know, and and these multi-billion dollar companies who have one app like Facebook. And then they go, why is my corporate app not benchmarking the same? And the answer is, of course, the apps are not at all the same. They don't have the same level of focus, the same level of investment, the same sort of commitment to them. Because an accounting app inside of your enterprise is used by 20 people not by a billion people worldwide. And there's a gap, but their expectation is this sets the benchmark. Why is my enterprise not running the same? I think, I think that's true. I think in our personal lives as well, I mean, I've become less tolerant as well in, in even in voice and video delivery of how this should work just based on my personal experiences, because I think we are now becoming more and more dependent, especially now on using video and voice to connect and have that connection. And in my personal life, I'm using it just as much, if not more than in my professional life. And the expectations now are kind of shifting to being like, this just needs to work. I always need to be able to have this high quality voice, high quality video to be able to have a connection. Yeah. But I think part of the issue is that, you know, IT was sort of built out with the understanding that everybody's going to be pretty much in one place. We control the environment. We can set it up to provide that good experience. And now everyone's everywhere and who knows, you know, what quality network and infrastructure and tools they have. And so what, how does IT, you know, how are they actually able to get an accurate view given that everyone's everywhere and IT has no control over what they're using? So the, there's a wide array of, of areas that we can um, uh, look at uh, to, to start to accumulate this information. We can baseline our, our metrics. Uh, we, we can understand what losses, but we can't look at these uh, metrics in a singular vacuum because we don't know what good or bad is. So we need to understand what's uh, provided by the application service provider. Um, we need to uh, potentially look at things like CDR records, and we need to mix in uh, the measurements from monitoring tools. And, and somewhere in the middle of that, uh, we'll be able to to triangulate and, and define what good is uh, in that user environment. You know, as you mentioned, Drew, uh, users are working from anywhere. They might be on Wi-Fi, they might be on Wired, 
they could be connecting to uh, a UCAS solution that's backhauled across their, their data center environment, or they could be going direct to internet. So um, we need to, uh, to initially start to baseline uh, these metrics and then compare and contrast that against uh, what, what's provided by the service providers to, uh, to understand mm. what is good. I think there's also um, just what end users see and what the network sees, which is what we're talking about here, this gap between the network and what the user sees, has become very different in the sense that you could be measuring packet performance using, say, flow data from the routers, but that's still not going to measure the end user experience. That's measuring the network experience. You still need to measure the network experience. You still need a tool that's going to do that, but you're also going to want something that comes from the handset because you can't ask the user, and this is what it really comes down to is, hi, Seth, is your app running fast or slow? And I, you know, uh, the answer, know. Yeah, sure. four times out of five, the answer will be slow. Wouldn't matter if it was faster or slow. They wouldn't, they'd just give you the, you know what I mean? So I think the, the reality here is actually getting metrics on getting a proper view. It's not, when we say accurate, I think what we, what we need is something that actually says it's, it's real. Like it's based off hard data and that gives you an accurate outcome. I like that. I like the idea of a proper view because I we're not naive enough to believe that IT is all in on a single platform that solves all their problems. You know, if that existed, uh, we wouldn't need to talk about why we provide value in a in a very particular way. What I think we've come up against now, and Drew, you alluded to this, is that there are things that you control, there are things that you have visibility over, and then there are all the things that you don't. Those are the variables of wherever that end user is and whatever networks that end user traverses. And so there is an ecosystem of data. And one of the pieces of those that, that data is to truly understand it from the end user perspective. All the other things like you had mentioned, Greg, was mm. you know, you've got flow data, you've got an understanding of what's coming into the data center or what's going through your yeah. pop. That's not going away. You need that. You need to understand that for, for the very big things and big shifts that are happening inside the network. But also you need an understanding of all those other pieces and interdependencies that get that application all the way to the end user. Yeah, what you really want is, and this is part of, this is what AppNetta leads us into, is this, the help desk gets a call from somebody saying the application's running slow. And the help desk person, the frontline help desk person can click a button and immediately see what the end user's experience is and go like, uh okay, you're looking for a day off work, <laughs> you know, maybe. <laughs> or maybe the, 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 something is running slow. You don't necessarily know what, but you know what the end user is experiencing. And so then you know, oh, yeah, okay, we'll actually log a call for this because I can see that something's running slow. Or, yeah, hi, Susie, we know that you were hammered last night and you don't want to work this morning, but you know what? <laughs> you, you mentioned the idea yeah. that you want to find out if it's real. And I think that that's true too. Yep. You know, just an anecdote on the idea of the shifting expectation. One of the areas that we're hearing about the shifting expectation is from VIP escalations, mm. that there's a VIP user, they've escalated an experience issue. And when we work with IT teams, what this becomes is a swarm of IT personnel. And this is honest, yeah. an honest story, four hours on the phone with an end user troubleshooting their home internet connection. That doesn't scale well. No. obviously, 
and and everybody's losing a lot of time. And the difference is taking that where you're not exactly sure where it is and you're getting the user to try this and that to having this instant insight as to whether it's a real problem, like from hours to the scale of a minute, just like you said, the help desk or anybody looking at this actually has some data. Did it change? Was it better yesterday? Is it worse now? Did it change this morning? Yeah. How do I actually prove that it's real? It's this under troubleshooting and over troubleshooting. If you don't troubleshoot it, under troubleshoot, then you might actually be ignoring a real problem. And if you over troubleshoot it because you don't have enough data, you're just wasting resources. That's actually a spectrum of pain. Right. right? Yeah. Although I've always believed that VIP should be given the worst level of service because that's the best way to get investment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I used to, IT dollars. <laughs> yeah. I won't tell you the story behind that, but that actually does work. And anyway, you're going to say, Seth. Uh, you know, a lot of times what we find is after those four-hour troubleshooting calls that, that John was mentioning, belief isn't a blind spot to blame what you can't see, right? Mm-hmm. So now users are working from anywhere. They don't know if they're connected to wireless or wired. And if they're on you know, a, a DSL link or maybe connecting over their LTE modem. These IT organizations have the flow visibility, as you mentioned earlier. They might be able to run pings and trace routes and you know talk to their carrier, but um, they're not able to solve that problem. And they just they just put it on the user, saying, "Well, uh, users' event or, or user environment uh, might have been the the cause here." And you know, close the ticket and move on to the till the next time it happens again tomorrow. So. There was some stubbornness here. This was this is actually an interesting thing. There's some stubbornness around a belief that it must be what you can't see. It mm-hmm. must be the part that you don't understand. We were Seth and I both worked uh, with an enterprise uh, uh, client that brought us in to absolutely prove because they were sure. They brought us in to prove that the issue was home internet connectivity. (laughs) It absolutely wasn't. It was the connectivity between the VPN concentrator into the data center. That's where we we actually used our technology end-to-end to prove that it was upstream between the VPN concentrator and inside the data center. But they were so sure that it was what they couldn't see. It actually took a lot of work just to get them into a belief system where that we we could show them that it is not the part that you suspect just because you can't see it. Yeah. So what then should IT be looking at? Is there sort of a, a standard set of things that IT should be measuring to make sure they're getting an actual valid view of user experience? I think it boils down to, and we talked about this ecosystem of data. I think what it boils down to is making sure you have observability end to end. So if you don't have that, then you're going to have these blind spots that obviously could be the source of problems. But just as much as you're trying to prove whether or not that area that you were blind to might be the problem, you also need to as quickly rule it out. So you have to have an end-to-end ecosystem. And that's really the primary basis of our technology and our value is that we're trying to measure end-to-end from wherever the user is consuming these services. And layered on top of that is an ecosystem of other uh, pieces of information to tell that whole story. But I think end-to-end observability is really what it boils down to. Okay, so that tells me a client on the endpoint? That's right. It could be in, in many cases that as they work from anywhere. And of course, they're going to be shifting back to the office at some point, or there's going to be sort of a changing way in which the office, traditional office will be used moving forward. Service so offices, we have to have these, you exactly. know, shared facilities rather than, you know, some sort of, you know, remote office capability that's shared or you rent and you just turn up for a day and go for a day, you know. Exactly. So we have to have a lot of flexibility in where we instrument because we need to be able to instrument sort of 
at that uh, sort of variable level, right mm. at the end user's machine, at the branch office, whether it be something that's permanent or not, in the POP, in the data center, in the cloud. We mm. need to have that versatility so that we can get that end-to-end picture. I did some time in a WeWork and the internet was appalling. And every time I logged a call with their helpline, they refused to do anything about it because they said no one else was complaining. Now, obviously, I couldn't get everybody else to complain, but what I did do is produce some data that showed them how bad it was, and they went, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's real. (laughs) It's real, right? But if you've signed up for one of these organizations for renting offices or, you know, hot desking or whatever, they're going to do nothing unless something's shoved in their face, and they're going to try and cut corners as much as possible. It's a real problem, I think. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. My uh, wife works for a higher education uh, company, and and they use uh, a contact center platform that's integrated with the CRM. Anyway, uh, they ha- have this issue when they make a voice call where it doesn't hang up and it still continues to ring. So I finally had her show it to me, and it it is you know more of an annoyance than uh, anything else. It's not going to prevent them from doing their jobs, but she's been doing a great job of documenting that recording, audio recordings, notes. You know, things like you said, Greg, that mm. you had mentioned uh, in WeWork. And she just asked me straight up one day, you know, shouldn't this just work? I, I don't understand why I can't this get can't get this resolved quickly. And I let her know, well, uh, take it to a director or a VP level and they will soon <laughs> be able to uh, to get that issue resolved for you. So, um, you know, it's it's you need that groundswell of support and a lot of metrics being collected from these these different environments that John had talked about mm. to push it back onto. Data you know, the ISPs or your or your you know uh, yeah. provider of, of that internet for the internet. day that you're using. So. so we sort of started this conversation saying that kind of the gold standard of performance was the office environment where IT could control everything. Is that still what uh, organizations should be using as the the sort of baseline measure now that there's so few users in the office, or do we need to set a new baseline? What what, what IT teams do? I think I, this question has some healthy debate to it. And I think it's a it's a debatable question depending on sort of where you are um, in terms of your IT strategy. Because on the one hand, it absolutely can be the gold standard because this still represents the highest level of investment in terms of your connectivity and delivery to applications, in terms of the things that you can control, the service providers you use, the technologies you use at the edge, this represents your highest investment. So there should really be no expectation that it can do better than that uh, in those cases. That's on the one hand. On the other hand, there's also going to be a changing sort of landscape of how the office is used in the first place. So, of course, the office should perform quite perfectly if there's nobody in it. How do you then kind of come up with that uh, in between? Well, I do think that you need a control. So that that is really the message at the end of the day is that you need a control, whether or not you're using branch offices as the control or you're using outside in monitoring that are not to do with your user community as the control. You need some control group to be able to baseline against because there's uh, it's never going to be perfect mm-hmm. and you have to really know what's achievable uh, and be able to measure what achi- uh, what is achievable through that control group and then compare your end user community to that. So maybe the vice president becomes the control group, whatever he or she is getting. (laughs) Unless we use Greg's tactic of (laughs) underinvesting. It really works. (laughs) There's nothing like a a budget increase when the the CEO gets, uh, you know, you just say like, oh, that's how it works. That's that's all it gets. That's that's all we got, you know. It's the best we can do. It's the best we can do. It's like, oh. There's a pro tip for you. So if folks want to find out more about AppNeta, John and Seth, where would you send them? 
You can find us at, at Upneta on all social and uh, at our blog at upneta.com and finally at upneta.com slash packet pushers. Well, that does wrap up our time. Thank you, John and Seth, for joining us. And thanks to AppNetta for being a sponsor. You can find this and many more fine, free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That's at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at packetpushers. Find us on LinkedIn, like us on Facebook, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.